Broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College, we are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. such an amazing thing. It's sustenance, it's art, it's science. Every STEM discipline is utilized in large-scale food production, yet it might be the most accessible way that people can start learning basic STEM concepts. I would like to welcome on my guest today, Devin Chase. Devin is a chef and co-owner of St. Perpetual Patio. Hey, Devin. Hi, Casey. So uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Were you always trying to be a chef or did you aspire to something else when you were growing up? Um, I definitely didn't think I would be a chef when I grew up. I used to hate cooking and I hated it when I was a kid. It was not going to happen. Um, I thought I'd be a vet or something to do with animals. I grew up on a farm, kind of. I had pigs and horses and I always thought I would end up working with animals somehow, not necessarily cooking them, but other other ways yeah that's interesting that you used to hate cooking how did you get down the path of becoming a chef and a restaurant owner then (laughs) it was kind of funny I mean I blame my mother mostly um (laughs) she's a terrible cook I mean absolutely atrocious so I would secret make my little sister and I dinner before my mom would come home because we would end up eating just I don't even know what it would be any weird microwave eggs and flour tortillas and mayonnaise and you know just like absolutely terrible stuff so I would make my sis and I mac and cheese or like gussy up something that was in the fridge or leftovers and sort of just started making dinner every night on the sly before mom would get home (laughs) easier that way oh yeah she's atrocious cook it's terrible I can dig that I remember eating a lot of uh, mayo sandwiches growing up yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of miracle whip and bologna, a lot of really weird microwave omelets. Mom loves microwave. Don't get me wrong, I do too. There's a time and a place, but maybe not every day. <laughs> For sure. Um, so how did you start pursuing a, a culinary career? Did you get any formal training or did you do a lot of like on the job training? Do you have an opinion about um, which one's better or any pros or cons? I sure do. Um I, I just kind of fell into cooking. I was going to college and was really confused as what my major was going to be. I thought I tried to double major and then was really going to graduate with a general studies of nothing and was like, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so moved to, I was in Bellingham at the time and moved down to Seattle uh, with some friends of mine and got a job in this wood fire pizza place just to make some money and ended up like absolutely falling in love with it. And like specifically the wood fire aspect and pizza mm-hmm. making. And it was just like this rowdy bar. It was really fun. Um, and just sort of like honed in from there and went. So that's like where I very first started cooking was just some ridiculous pizza place in Linwood, Washington. Um, and then from there moved down to Portland, um, kind of on a whim and just kind of kept going with it and landed myself in a really nice place and then really found sort of my passion for it and they let me take over their wood fire pizza program and stuff like that and I just sort of kept going so all my training is on the job um I didn't take any sort of culinary classes or schooling I mean I've done a few things and worked with people that are incredibly knowledgeable mm-hmm. and got to mentor under a lot of really good people but nothing like no culinary school or anything like that and I think my, my opinion is on the job is always better. Um, a lot of culinary students in the culinary path, they come out and they've been told they're chefs and it really depends on the school that they go to, I think. You know, like there's the whole debacle of like Western Culinary Institute and now 
that's completely gone because it was a huge scam and no one actually learned everything. But I remember being managing kitchens sort of while all that was happening and working with people that were coming out of that program. And they were all told that they were head chefs. Like you come out of there and you're going to be a head chef. So we had all of these huge egos walking into the kitchen. And I was like, I'm sorry, you still have to start as a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And it was just seeing that, that like conflict of skill and ego was pretty wild. And I think that comes a lot out of culinary school, but I don't think it's a complete wash because there are definitely people, you can learn what you want in culinary school, but I think you can also just be self-taught. Same thing. I can just read a book and practice a few times and ask some people I know that make this dish or this food, or just like reach out to somebody for that knowledge in the same way that I would get to pay somebody for that. For sure. I think the culinary industry aligns a lot with people that don't want to go to school because it seems accessible in that way. Um, And and similarly, I think a lot of skilled trades are in that way where you can get an apprenticeship or, you know, learn at a small business and kind of work your way up. I know I I was um, when I was working as a cook, I was always like trained on the job and kind of had a similar view of like, you know, training on the job is way better because I'm getting paid for this. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you're paying attention, you're going to learn what everyone around you is doing anyway. And if you just ask the questions, you'll actually get the real world application to it, not just what you think is going to happen. And I think there's been a lot of folks that have come across that like come out and they want to be cooks and they're so excited and they did culinary school and they hit their externship and they decide to hate it. And -hmm. it's actually really hard and it's dirty and long hours and you don't get to eat and they decide to hate it. You know, right. and it's like, uh, I'm sorry, you just spent 30 grand to hate this career. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, ooh, it makes me nervous. So I always, people ask me, tell them to work in a kitchen first and then decide. Because there's all, all kinds of amazing learning you can do. There's programs in Italy that take on cooks and they put you up in Rome. Um, like there's amazing programs you can get invited to in grants too and things like that if you really want to learn and go that route. But I don't know, I'm just an on the job person. <laughs> Yes, totally. Um, I feel like being a cook is also a great career for someone who wants to travel and wants to live like more, I don't know if nomadic style is really like what I'm getting at, but um, the people that are just interested in in not staying in one place um, all the mm-hmm. time, because, you know, you can find a cook job anywhere. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's like a, food's like a universal language. So if you can do things well, I mean, you could work anywhere. Oh yeah, you could go into any city if you have basic competency on a line and find a job mm-hmm. and people are so happy to have you. <laughs> totally. Also, so, yeah, and, and within that too, if you set yourself up, like I got lucky working under some fancy chefs and they would take me all over the place. I would have to do all the grunt work every time we went, but I went to New York several times. I got to cook at like the James Beard house once and wow. all of these crazy, crazy things I never would have done. You know, like I cooked at a governor's ball in Washington, D.C. And it's like I was just a little tag along and I got to go to all these things. And it was awesome. I never would have gone anywhere had it not been for that. So that's fun. I got to go to Italy once. <laughs> nice. I'll just like tag along. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a blast. It you seek it out. So what have been some of your like proudest accomplishments so far? Uh, I think being asked to go to Italy was probably a really big deal. <laughs> That was super fun. I got to do a farm tour and learn all about radicchio from a bunch of farmers and like wine producers and seed growers through Italy and then cook at this huge winter winter vegetable festival uh, in super northern Italy in Mezzacorona, which was so much fun. And it was like, I don't know, felt such a big compliment to be asked to go and make food for actual like Italians when that's kind of my shtick is a lot of Italian food. It was that was huge. 
for sure, especially in my younger career. And then opening St. Perpetua has been by far my biggest accomplishment and like opening my own place or our own place, you know, with Sage and Emily. That's been, that's been huge and feels like an actual like, oh shit, that's cool. <laughs> you know, instead of just sort of working for someone and, and getting it done, it definitely feels like the big accomplishment. Can you tell me about some of your biggest challenges in your career? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, being a, a chef or like a cook at all is like the hours are insane. Trying to have a personal life at all is definitely a challenge and how to balance that. Yeah, social life, work life, that's always been a big challenge, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I don't know, like the, the physical toll that cooking takes. I didn't realize as I was younger, but now I'm like, oh, my back hurts. I'm like almost 40 and I'm like, I'm pretty sure my body is like 50. <laughs> but so that that's definitely been like a physical challenge and you just kind of get over it. I'm also like a very short person. So working in kitchens are always like built very tall, very high up for some reason. So that's been another challenge always. I'm, I'm wicked with some long tongs. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, like <laughs> the challenges have been just like staying on track. And I think just deciding whether or not this is something that you really want to commit to, or is it like every five years or so, I'm like, God, do I want to keep doing this? Am I ever going to get my own place? You know, it feels daunting and overwhelming. So I think for me, it was like sticking with it and deciding not to leave this career or try right. something different. I think was a struggle I definitely had in it, but. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like lots of challenges. <laughs> For sure. Um, I would love to hear more about you opening your own restaurant. Uh, I think a lot of people love the idea of working for themselves. And it seems kind of scary with the immense amount of work on top of like the insane amount of risk. Um, can you speak to the entrepreneurial side of your career and how you went from being an employee to a business owner? Sure. Um opening my own place is always something that I wanted to do. So that's always been like the end goal. And in what capacity that would be, I really wasn't sure until recently, honestly, I sort of always pictured myself staying in Portland and having like a little, a little something like a sit down restaurant of some kind there. And then really when COVID hit, it was like, I really started rethinking everything and how to function as a restaurant. And I think it also left the opportunity to like like um, change up what we think about restaurants and how we want to make money in them and how we want to feed people and like who we want to feed and why. And so that, that for me became a really big motivator in opening my own place. Um, I'm sort of, I'm tired of feeding wealthy, pretentious people that don't really care that much. I'm really excited to have like a takeout window and be in this atmosphere where it's way more casual and you walk up and I have these delicious things for you and I hope that you like them and you go to your house and or to the beach and walk around instead of like I don't know having four courses and feeling very snotty about everything and I think like having the opportunity to start up and take control of that and that atmosphere and sort of the direction that we want to have our own business in instead of letting that dictate how we become a business has been the driving force I think for me and really wanting to do this um, is getting to mix it up a little bit. And like that, that's equally as scary because my brain constantly goes back. I mean, Emily and I were talking about this, goes back to like fine dining and like, I have this panic and everyone's going to hate it. And it's like some old guy's going to yell at me and I know it, you know, and it's like that that's not happening. And that feels really good. And so some of, I think the terror that we had going into it and insecurity is starting to go away. 
it's a lot of hard work mm-hmm. for sure. And it was super intimidating to get started. I think that we kind of were in the process of doing this, but kind of drug our feet a little bit because it was so terrifying. And once we actually got into it and into the application processes and all of the, the red tape with the counties and the paperwork and all of that is what that freaks me out. I'm, I hate it. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. so overwhelming, but people were so ready to be helpful also in that same manner. Like every time I actually just got up the nerve to reach out and be like, what, the, what does this mean? I don't know what this paragraph says to me to do. <laughs> you know, somebody would be there to be like, oh, it's actually really easy. That just means that you need to put some rubber floorboards over there. It's like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's in my skills. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. So it does seem terrifying but once you just get into it if you ask questions and utilize your resources it's really not too bad and it it, people were so ready to be helpful and want to see people starting businesses especially in small communities and people that are you know like not your standard rich white guy I think people were really excited that we are like a queer and women-run business that's opening on our own out here and starting small and so I think it people were surprisingly helpful and as terrifying as it is just like reach out to people and give it a shot. And you can start small. We're dropping money left and right, of course. <laughs> but it's like, we're doing it a little at a time. I started stockpiling restaurant equipment when I would see it for sale on Craigslist or cheap things, you know, five years ago. And so I had kind of a garage of stuff ready to go. So when it was time, it's like, it wasn't as bad, you know, so like start, start small and grow into what you think instead of starting with like, like a powerhouse, you know, like go small. It's helping us anyway. I think one of the things that um, I found so appealing about St. Perpetua Patio um, is that it's an all uh, queer and women run um, operation. And oftentimes um, in professional kitchens and restaurants, we see cooks and chef positions being filled by men. And as a former uh, professional cook myself, I was like the only woman working in the kitchen oftentimes. And um, I was just wondering if you could speak to the experience um, navigating this, um, if you had run into a similar situation, um, but just navigating how you work in a male dominated field up until this point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I really lucked out. I, um, other than my first like pizza job in Seattle, that was such a dude bro place and Mm -hmm. it was fun, but I was the only woman to have ever worked the line there. And so there was a lot of weird hazing that went on and let alone like queer woman be in the place at all. Mm-hmm. That, that place was pretty rough. Um, and I, I left <laughs> pretty quickly, but not without, you know, like making my space there. And I think that what I found is like, when I started getting shit, because I'm a lesbian and female and all of the above. It was like, I just got mad and was like, well, I'm going to outcook you. And so I started then just actively trying to take these guys' jobs and put them down. And so like, that's sort of how I dealing with it at a younger age, which isn't always the best way to go. And then, you know, like, yes, <laughs> but it was, and then from there, after that experience, I really definitely tried to work in women run kitchens. And so they are out there. You just have to seek them out. Um, but even within that, when I was managing like Nostrana is one run by Kathy Wims um, and the sous chef there for the really longest time, 
where two of the sous chefs were women. Um, and so that was such a sweet place to come into. And they just didn't deal with any of sort of the male ego and things like that. But I don't know, seeing the difference is like how sweet a kitchen can be and inviting and accommodating and like treat you like a human versus like these sort of rough male run kitchens was really eye opening, I suppose, and really let me know how I want to proceed as a cook in this world and in kitchens and how I want to lead kitchens in that that way so even when I've been like the only woman in charge of an entirely male staff you know like I want to say like don't boys club with these people like you like actually I don't know how to say it like you have the ability to call people out when they're doing the behavior that you don't like and even though it's really challenging especially in a work environment and such a like environment that's prone to sexism and harassment and it's like and I, I like jokes kitchens are terrible dirty places everyone is saying crass things and having a good time and you're all friends and it's like there's no work etiquette it's you know it's all off the cuff and I do really enjoy that about being in kitchens but I think you know for me it was like finding that line and it's like we can all do this and joke around but the moment you say something sexist or you know, derogatory, or there's like a line to draw. And it's like that, that became something very clear to me that that was going to be my job going forward in all the kitchens that I was at. And so it was like, I think the way that I found to navigate it was just leading by example, and not putting up with shit if I didn't have to, you don't always get to say what you want. I can't go up to the big head chef and tell him to go himself. But uh, I can, I can let him know later that I didn't appreciate that and how it made me feel and that I won't be coming back if that behavior continues. And if like, you're, you're good at what you do, they want you to stay. And I've had pretty good luck with that and been like, this was too far for me. And here's why. And often if you just make that clear, it helps navigate the rest of it. And people start to sort of see that and not be jerks and not be sexist. And I mean, there's always going to be, there's always one, <laughs> there's like always one in every kitchen, you know, but that sort of helped me navigate it is just standing my ground. Don't boys club and like lead by example. It's like, I hate it when people become part of the dude pack. It was just like, totally. I mean, I think communication is <laughs> a great way to change a situation for the better. Yeah. It's yeah. like you get your mom finger out, you know, like I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's why. And people actually respond surprisingly well to it. Yeah, totally. I think transparency is valuable. And uh, sometimes people don't realize that they're being um, buttheads until, yeah. you know, you tell them. Um, yeah, and it's like if, if it's all going around and there's a sort of like camaraderie and jokiness and the moment somebody gets called out, they think twice about it the next time where I'm like oh you know I wouldn't have said that actually had I realized it was gonna hurt your feelings this way or whatever and it's surprising how many times I've been like dude that was so stupid to say and it's like yeah sorry you know and it's like thank you and then you just move on and that's like rather than having weird tension not always but sometimes it works right on uh, many young women might not be aware of career opportunities and skill trades and other stem fields uh, what do you think can be done to spread the word to women about these career opportunities and um, these career options in these fields? What can we do to support them? Well, I mean, I think what you're doing is awesome. I think having this like podcast and just letting people know that that it is an option and there's avenues and people that are here to support also and aid and mentor and and things like that. I think I think if there's a way to hook people up with mentorships and 
and things like that and just being very visible about women and queer people in these careers that are male dominated I think is like a really good way to be like oh it is an option because I definitely stumbled into it as kind of a mess and then had to like fight my way to figure out I could find this like awesome sweet kitchen where I learned a whole bunch and was surrounded by really sweet people men and women and queer people and all of that and I was like those spaces really do exist it's not it's not in like idolizing these male chefs you know I think it's in it's in showing the camaraderie and food more than that you know and not just this one head person it's like well what are we doing and why and it should be this bigger picture and I think getting that kind of message out and podcasts like this and just showing other people in those fields and talking about it is really important. Instead of being like, I don't know, I'm just cooked. It's what I do, drinking a cook, you know? And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, there's so much more than that. <laughs> there should be so much more than that. I think that makes it a little more accessible to other people that aren't just like ego driven or decide they're going to be a chef because they like the food network. Yeah, I think it's super important to show people with faces that aren't in a garden, you know, or yeah. uh, like Bobby Flay or something. Because um, yeah. I, I know personally, like when I was going down to career as being um, a professional cook, you know, I watched like Ina Garden a lot growing up and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm just not like this waspy New England person. Like, will I fit in? And then you yeah. get to someone and you're like, oh, it's not actually like that. There is a spot for me. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, uh, when all your exposure is, is, you know, watching the Food Network, it can be kind of intimidating to break into a field like this. Well, for sure. You know, yeah, we're not all like Ina Garten. We're not all in, you know, the Hamptons cooking for Jeffrey and the boys. It's like <laughs> the rest of us are just living regular lives, but also like food. And for me, it's always about like feeding the community and sourcing through the community. And I think that's equally as important and less like idolizing a chef. It's about like what everyone gets to eat around here and how you can find it and feed everybody. And I think like, yeah, taking sort of that I famous chef persona and knocking that down, I think would help other people feel accessible in this career and like supported in this career and that there are different people and bodies out here and mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. It would be, would be nice getting that out there. Like we had one of my favorite stories slash compliments that came out recently. I was buying mushrooms from Rainforest Mushrooms, Bob, the mushroom guy. He's so sweet, mm-hmm. sweet old guy. And I, he's talking to me, he's like, so I was hanging out with a friend of mine. She's about 85. I was like, all right, good. And she's talking about this new place in town and it's the same, same perpetuous. And I was like, yep, that's us. She's like, I know those, I know those guys. And then she said, she was like, well, you know, it's run by a, a queer and a biannual, don't you? <laughs> I know he's fitted she calls she calls it gays and biennials you know and I was like a, um a biennial <laughs> you know and she was like well you know someone that's not uh, a boy or a girl and I was like oh non-binary is what <laughs> the word you're looking for there and I was like yep we're a whole pack of non-binary bisexuals and it was just like odd to have that conversation <laughs> Mm-hmm. but also really happy that that's also part of our our shtick and what's getting out to the community is like it's a a little more inclusive of a place I guess mm-hmm. and it's actually being met with a lot of positivity which I wasn't too sure in a small community but also Yahats is such a queer little mecca yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of nice to hear and and see even though it's like very funny <laughs> 
that is pretty funny um it is it is nice though to be able to go somewhere that represents the younger working class of yahats you know see that represented um in being able to like patronize that that kind of establishment well thank you we're we're trying (laughs) yeah we want to make it cozy and inviting for like everybody and not just a bar and not like like a high-end restaurant, like something in between that's just fun to sit at and take the food and go or hang out here and have a drink or, you know, whatever. For sure. <laughs> no, no rules. Yeah. What are any future accomplishments you have in mind for your career or even your restaurant? Oh man. Well, we'd like to make some money at some point. That would be super, that's a super big goal. <laughs> we're, we're so new. It's hard to sort of wrap my brain around what, what would be next you know, we're, we're just three months in right now. And so it's really right now, all I can do is think about making this a successful business and then going from there. But I mean, what I'd like to do is, um, I like to have a few spots. I think that there's like some, not holes in the food community here, but some niches that could be filled, you know, like I, I really like what we're doing at St. Perpetua and making everything from scratch. It's all as local as I could possibly get it and um, really intentional but I also think that we need like a burger joint here and that's cheap and accessible for everybody and our milkshakes and burgers and something that's easy and fun but still not crappy frozen patties Mm -hmm. from somewhere you know like I think I think providing some more accessible food in this community would be what I'd like to focus on and a way then to do some kind of outreach also like the disparity in wealth and food and nutrition around here is wild Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice to help bridge that gap in there as well. Awesome. We'll see. <laughs> Here's something, you know, next future goal would also be to have, uh, offer some kind of like mentorship for people that are looking how to cook or learning how to cook. So especially that are queer people or people of color or anyone that isn't your standard wealthy white guy, to be perfectly honest. That's a good goal to have, you know, like fostering yeah. <laughs> um, people in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, do you have any advice for young women and people of gender minorities that are looking to follow a similar career path? Um, you know, I think, gosh, I think my advice would be to like ask for what you're worth. Don't wait for people to notice you. I spent a lot of time, I think, in supporting roles when I was actually managing and doing a lot more and saw a lot of people get promoted above me even though I deep down, I know that I should have had that job or it's because they asked for it. And I just never asked for it. No one knew I wasn't happy in this position. And I kept thinking I was going to get seen and they'll realize and they're going to promote you and you'll end up learning and stuff. And it was like, as soon as I started just asking for what I wanted and was interested and was like, no, I want to learn saute now. What are you doing? I got put right there or this cook who in their spare time just started teaching me that station. And it was like, once I started asking for what I want and asking for what I was worth, I I started to get it instead of hoping it came to me. And I think that for minorities and women and people in these careers, it's so important to do that. It's not something that always comes naturally to us, I think. And so once I kind of like scrapped that, I started moving up exponentially. and, And it was like, that was the biggest game changer for me was to just try and ask for what you want. And that's like, you know, don't be, don't be over the top. You know, don't be demanding. Don't be like the squeak, the squeaky wheel that you know gets it. But there is a balance, I think, in that. And knowing what you're worth was so important. For sure, I totally agree. All right, so we're kind of we're coming towards the end of our uh, interview here, but I have a couple of I have a couple of fun questions for you. You mentioned yeah. that you really liked uh, cooking Italian food. 
Um, could you tell me about any like particular dishes that you really like to cook? Ooh, this is like the worst question to ask a chef. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always am like everything. I cook everything. Um, um, let's see. It, I, I'm a real like seasonal cook, so I have kind of a hard time narrowing it down. It's mm-hmm. like right now I'm obsessed with oxtail. I like to braise a lot of oxtail. I don't know. I like to cook seasonally. I can't wait for summer to come so I can start cooking wood fire again and cooking outside. That's really where my passion lies. We have a little wood burning oven. We'll we'll break out in the summer and stuff. So that that's really what I love to do. Awesome. Um, besides uh, following you in St. Perpetual Patio, do you have any other um, restaurants or chefs or people doing culinary things that you could recommend young people check out to learn more about, you know, getting into the field? Sure. I think, you know, honestly, like, especially around here in Portland, there's a lot of really good women doing important things in the culinary industry there. And especially just within the last five years, like, um, look like my Lovelace and yonder, her food is outstanding. And she's had a really interesting career to follow as well. You know, she was definitely like Portland's sweetheart for a while when she was running her pop-up and then she opened yonder and struggled and came out and she started calling out all kinds of male chefs for sexism and stuff like that. And I have so much respect for that and her for doing that. And it caused a huge backlash against her, but it also really mixed up things in the Portland city. and it's not the same. And there's a lot more safe places. And a lot of people were really thinking twice about what they did or just straight up left town. She did that good for her, you know? And it was like, she helped be that voice, even though it was happening behind her and other people were doing it she used her sort of celebrity and stance to really be like this is enough and started calling people out and I have nothing but respect for that and I think people should follow her and eat her food she's amazing there's also like Char at Red Sauce Pizza what a sweet weirdo um you know like just creative fun I love her business model like the staff is also sweet it's casual but really good and I think like those are two people that I have a lot of respect for like locally like absolutely um I don't know I think that's sort of where my focus has been lately it's been sort of in internally I um I don't know like I said before I really try hard not to necessarily like idolize individuals and chefs in the industry I like to sort of look at what people are doing what restaurants are doing as wholes and and communities and stuff like that and it's like those, those two are specifically people I can think of and like like nationally or internationally I, I have kind of a hard time um honestly because <laughs> okay. I'm like I don't know that looks good let's try it for sure more, more spots I like to go or when I start trolling the internet looking at restaurants I'm like oh that looks like a fun menu but I don't necessarily know who the chef was <laughs> yeah for sure, <laughs> for sure. well Devin that is <laughs> that is the show. And I really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that was really nice. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at MidValleySTEM.org. Until next time, keep progressing.